It's Friday the 13th of December and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, Britain's election the morning after. The powerful new mandate. Boris Johnson looks set to lead around 360 MPs, enough to deliver on that promise to get Brexit done. We'll have analysis from our correspondent, Paul Osborne. Plus, our contributing editor, Andrew Muller, examines what we've learned from this week's news headlines and why Germany's investment in rail travel ought to be a lesson for all of us. I'm Ben Ryland in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. The results of Britain's election are trickling in. Monocle's Paul Osborne has been alert and awake right through the early hours. Paul, what can you tell us? It was the election nobody wanted, except for Boris Johnson. Now we know why. In the closing days of this campaign, it had looked like the race was getting tighter. But on the stroke of 10pm, we found out the reality. The exit poll pointed to a crushing Conservative victory. Boris Johnson looks set to lead around 360 MPs, enough to deliver on that promise to get Brexit done. He called it a powerful new mandate as he spoke to crowds in his constituency in the early hours of the morning. And it's certainly enough to shape post-Brexit Britain in whatever direction he chooses. Mr Johnson had been condemned by commentators for refusing to turn up to interviews and debates, accused of lying again and again. It didn't hurt him. His party looks set to win a bigger share of the vote than any in a UK-wide election in the last 50 years. It was an election won and lost on the streets of traditional working-class constituencies in England's North and Midlands. The communities that for decades had backed the Labour Party turned against them, instead lining up behind the Conservatives. A second defeat for Jeremy Corbyn, but a far more bruising one. Labour has been pummeled in its heartlands, and leading figures in the party have wasted no time in blaming him and the people around him. At his count in North London, Mr Corbyn said he wouldn't contest the next election, but he didn't seem to be keen to stand down immediately. Instead, he said he'd oversee discussions about Labour's future, but it's far from clear that Labour's own MPs will let him do that. British politics is a brutal game. Six weeks ago, the leader of the Liberal Democrats said she could be Prime Minister. Tonight, Jo Swinson lost her seat by just 149 votes. Two parties are looking for new leaders and asking tough questions. In Scotland, meanwhile, the Nationalists restore their dominance. Could that mean we'll be heading towards another referendum on independence? But after years of division and knife-edge votes, within weeks Brexit will happen. The UK will leave next month. As we move into a new decade, it looks like the 2020s will belong to Boris Johnson. For Monocle in London, I'm Paul Osborne. Well, it's Friday, so now with a look back at what we've learned from a week of news headlines, here's Andrew Muller. We learned this week that the world may welcome a new nation in 2020. 928 volts. The 300,000 people of the island group of Bougainville, hitherto part of Papua New Guinea, voted for independence by a thumping majority. The referendum was technically advisory and non-binding, but as the United Kingdom has been learning these last few years, technically advisory and non-binding referendums have a way of acquiring a terrifying momentum.
Thanks to the UK, however, Bougainville's people and politicians now have, as they face the task of negotiating a separation from a greater entity while maintaining decorum and dignity, a wealth of information on how not to do it. We learned that one pub quiz standard question has a new answer. The title of world's youngest head of government has been seized by 34-year-old Sanamarin as of Tuesday, the Prime Minister of Finland. Here's Monocle's Helsinki correspondent Petri Burtsov on Monday's briefing. Finland was, of course, the first country in Europe to give women the right to vote. And we've had both female prime ministers and a female president before. So obviously for promoting this image of a modern country, this is good. Among Ms Marin's rewards was a dose of patronising counsel from the world's oldest national leader, Malaysia's Mahathir Mohamad, who is 94 and possesses views on gay people and Jews, which are several centuries older than that. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern reacted rather more humbly to being demoted to the world's second youngest female leader. She needs no advice. Ultimately, one of those issues when people assume, of course, because you're young, um, that uh, you're not bringing experience and expertise to the table necessarily. I see she's already a minister. She's already a member of the government. And all, all I would say is go well. We learned that the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo and the 2022 World Cup in Qatar will not echo to the sound of the world's second best national anthem. Russia has been banned for four years from all major sporting events by the World Anti-Doping Authority, a response to Russia's Anti-Doping Authority having fiddled laboratory data. Russian athletes will still be able to compete if they've proved themselves clean, but will have to do so under a neutral flag. Russia, as is customary, denies everything. Here's Russia analyst Stephen Diel on Tuesday's Globalist. The extraordinary decision came in September last year when WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, showed, I think, a certain weakness in allowing the ban to be lifted as long as Russia then produced more results. And, but then what does Russia do? When it produces the results in January this year, they're examined and they're found to, that they've cheated again. We learned the specific identity of that proverbial unfortunate who is the someone who is always worse off. It is whoever is presently handling public relations for the Nobel Prizes. This week, they beheld the spectacles of 1991 Nobel Peace Laureate Aung San Suu Kyi appearing before the International Court of Justice to deny being an accessory to genocide and of five countries boycotting the award of this year's literature gong to Austrian author and Slobodan Milosevic fan Peter Hanke. Here's Monocle's Balkans correspondent Guy Delaunay on Wednesday's briefing. Six countries deciding not to send representatives to the ceremony is quite a big deal, really, isn't it? So we've got Bosnia, Croatia, North Macedonia, Albania, Kosovo and Turkey. So uh, the man who's currently holding the, the chair of Bosnia's presidency, Jelko Komšić, uh, said the award was an act of hatred against the relatives of victims and the genocide was rewarded uh, by Hanka receiving the prize. We learned, though it is uncertain when the knowledge may come in handy, how to start a fight in a Mexican art gallery. A fracas verging on an outright stramash. 
and described by some aghast observers as no less than a full-blown ruckus, erupted at Mexico City's Palace of Fine Arts over the exhibition of a painting depicting revolutionary hero Emilio Zapata, naked but for black high heels and a pink sombrero, astride a clearly excited white stallion. The work by Fabian Chárez prompted a vigorous exchange of views and indeed fists between appreciators and non-appreciators of this kitsch subversion of the machismo with which Zapata is usually endowed. It can really only be hoped that Mr Chárez's next project is a picture of Pancho Villa skipping rope. And a clammy and dank shroud of blame was lifted at long last from the reputation of the late guitarist Jimi Hendrix, who was finally exonerated of importing parakeets to the United Kingdom. A persistent rumour has long had it that Britain's population of invasive, non-native green ring-necked parakeets are descended from a pair released by Hendrix in Carnaby Street in the 1960s, when a man of his predilections might have believed this a groovy thing to do. However, boffins have looked into it and declared Hendrix innocent. Anxious listeners may at this point be braced for some variety of parrot-related pun on a Jimi Hendrix song or album title. Well, we've had our best people on it for some while, but it's not as easy as you might think. The Wind Cries Polly was about as good as it got, and that's far from a classic as these things go. Doesn't really rhyme, probably over-reliant on intimate knowledge of Hendrix's catalogue. And with that anguished resignation to the fact that Jimi Hendrix wrote disappointingly few hits with titles containing words that rhyme with beak, squawk or perch, for Monocle 24, I'm Andrew Muller, and there is this. And finally today, travelling by train is about to get a little bit better in Germany. It's all part of the country's mission to make rail commutes more appealing. Commuters in Germany are being told to bitte alle einsteigen as rail operator Deutsche Bahn unveils its new 2020 timetable this weekend. The changes include a fleet of shiny new ICE 4 trains and new routes, such as a service between Dresden, Berlin and Rostock. DB is also working with Czech operator CD and Austria's ÖBB to increase its high-speed services to other European countries. One thing that isn't changing, however, is the price of a ticket. Fares have been frozen as DB looks at ways to make train travel a viable alternative to short-haul flights. Germany's government is also set to reduce taxes on fares. It's a stark contrast to rail systems in the United States or Britain, where trains between major cities are often expensive and inefficient. But with climate change encouraging passengers to rethink travel habits, other countries ought to be looking to Germany for clues on how to get their own rail systems back on track and develop better thinking around mobility. That's all in today's programme. You can read and subscribe to our daily email bulletin at our website, monocle.com. I'm Ben Ryland. The Monocle Minute returns on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. <laughs>